This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode number 66. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Today with me, I have our guest is Jason Lucchese, and he's going to share with you some strategies for finding off-market deals that are going to blow your socks off using LinkedIn. Uh, he's going to be very specific about how he, how he does that. And I think it's going to be an absolute game changer because it's really hard to find deals right now. They're not just going to fall in your lap. You're going to have to work a little bit. You're going to have to hustle a little bit and you're going to have to be creative. And this is one of those strategies that when I heard about it, I looked into it further. Um, I got access to his course and looked in it and it's, it really is amazing. So I definitely want you guys to add this to your toolbox when you're looking for deals. So real quick about Jason. Here's a quick background on him. He's been in real estate since 2002. He was in the mortgage industry before, which is why he has experience with asset managers and bankers. That's what he's leveraging here with the Lincoln strategy. He became a full-time real estate investor in early 2008. And he's done REOs, short sales, bulk packages, non-performing notes, residential, commercial, off-market properties. So he's kind of known as the number one off-market property guy. So he definitely knows what he's talking about. And I'm really pleased and honored to have him on the podcast. So let's get right into the show. Hey, Jason, welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks for having me on your show, buddy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. Uh, you know, let's start first by having you introduce yourself a little bit. What do you do? Tell me about yourself and your business. Sure. For those of that that don't know me, I'm Jason Lucchese, and I've been in real estate for, for a little bit now. I started off in 2002 in the, the mortgage origination space, and I left the exact date I have ingrained was December 31st of 2007. Uh, that was right around the time probably a lot of us uh, have that memorable time in our head when the, the market just completely collapsed. And that's when I uh, became a, a real estate investor in, in 2008. And I've been doing it ever since. Uh, love it. Uh, it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. And in 2012, I began going out and helping other people as well just because you know, Michael, it's it's extremely tough when you're starting off and you, you don't feel like you have the right support group. And I just I started really just going out there and you know put myself out there and trying to help others. Yeah, that's great. That you're you're doing that. You know, you achieve a, some amount of success. You figure it out, and then you just start start sharing it. So yeah. I appreciate you doing that as well. And we're going to talk about a particular niche that that you're you know you do a variety of things. You're I want to get drilled down a little bit on your background in this. You know, episode we're going to talk about finding off-market deals, which is so relevant in this kind of market. Uh, but before we get to that, just talk a little bit about what what kind of real estate investing you've done. You know, I've done both residential and commercial, and you know the the thing that I see most, especially with longevity and having you know that ultimate path of having residual income coming in, is definitely the commercial route. You know, being able to get apartments, self-storage facilities, those are huge. And I've, I've done quite a few. Majority of it's been residential, I'd say about uh, 70%. But the other 30% has been with uh, multifamily uh, self-storage facilities. That, that's that been kind of what I've been getting into. And I know like with people like yourself, you know, you've added a lot of content and value to to giving me more knowledge and and wanting to do more in the commercial space. 
Let's go rewind a little bit. Are you talking about the December thirty first, two thousand seven, when you got in real estate? What what happened in your mind? What what made you want to jump uh, from your job to real estate investing? Well, I was with uh, Countrywide Home Loans, and I was with them for a long period of time, uh, from two thousand four ish to two thousand seven. You know, I, that's where I thought I was going to retire. I, I thought I was going to be there twenty thirty years. You know, I was putting 40% of my checks into my 401k mm. and, you know, the writing was on the wall. Uh, Bank of America was going to be acquiring us and I just knew nothing good was going to be coming from the mortgage industry. The, everything started tightening up and I, you know, was at a really good level. I started as an account executive, worked my way up to branch manager and they started demoting everybody just because they started doing branch shutdowns and it just wasn't working out anymore. So I, I just I knew the only way that I could have control of that moving forward was to just be my own boss. How did you come up with real estate investing? <laughs> um, I was watching the, the flip this house shows and flip that house. And I was just like, man, these guys make it you know look too easy and they're making so much money. I'm like. I might as well just hop into this because I was also at the time when I was watching that show, there was a commercial that came on for a stock trading program. So I went to a three-day seminar for that and I wanted to get involved with trading stocks and options and all that kind of stuff. So my plan was to do both. And then I just ran off with real estate investing just because it was much more appealing to me and I was able to it felt more like right to me. I, I wasn't like thrilled doing stocks and just staring at my computer all day long. <laughs> and what strategy did you choose once you decided you're going to do real estate investing? You know, it was at first wholesaling. And then, you know, I was just all over the place because I spent so much money on different training programs. I, I was spreading myself too thin. And it wasn't until I got laser focused and I was able to focus just on one strategy and at that time, it was it was short sales. So I started getting involved with short sales because that was that was the time to do it. You know, people were way behind on their on their payments. Uh, adjustable rate mortgages were coming to a spot to where they were about to adjust, and payments for people were going to go crazy. So I started doing short sales after I really just got myself laser focused on one strategy. Now, at one point, did you start looking in commercial and, and what did that look like? You know, it was right around like 2010, just because I, I was starting to get deals from other individuals that, you know, they were like, hey, this is this could be a pretty good opportunity for you. You know, the owners looking to to liquidate, they're more in the retirement phase and they're wanting to sell. And I looked at it as a great opportunity because I had some private money lined up. And I knew that the owner, if explained properly, that they would do seller financing for like a, a carry back, like a second. And I would say seven out of 10 times, if properly explained, the sellers will do it because it allows them to uh, get into a place to where they don't have to, uh, capital gains uh, isn't going to be as high as if they cash out all at once right now. So give me a second for about two, three years, and then um, I could refinance you off and then you could get your money back. So you got into some uh, some commercial property in this way? Yeah, absolutely. Because 
I was able to leverage some of the private money I had. I was able to have my private money lender feel very comfortable just having a 70% first involved, which meant, you know, if I went into default or anything like that, you know, that person definitely felt comfortable that they would get their money back. The second lien holder felt comfortable about it too, because it was essentially, you know, their property, they knew it, they knew it would cash flow. And with some of the ideas that I had with doing renovations or uh, increasing occupancy rates, uh, they, they felt confident in that. And having a, a fully 100% maxed out property that, that I was able to get, that was turning me on to commercial because of the, I really liked the cash flow compared to residential. Interesting. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, you also uh, got into multifamily at one point. Can you talk about one of your first first deals, kind of how you found it, and a little bit more, a little bit about it? Yeah, it was it was in Chicago, and it was it wasn't a big one. It was only I think six units, mm-hmm. and most of the units were Section Eight. So mm-hmm. these people were there for years. So it was a it was a really good cash flow uh, producing uh, property. And again, the the individual that owned it owned it free and clear, and they were just looking to uh, liquidate and move on to a bigger project. So I was able to come in and I was able to get them to do a 35% second. And I was able to get a 65% first through a local bank. Hmm. Uh, The local bank was completely fine with it. And why I say local is because they do more in-house like, hey, let's, let's see if this really makes sense for us on paper. It, you know the ones that that don't work are the top twenty, top twenty-five national banks. You know the mom and pop banks are still investing to us investors uh, the way that we need them to, and it turned out to be a good deal. Um, what I did was I did a value add on it to where I increased occupancy from seventy percent to eighty-five percent by just doing some you know easy marketing. And when I say easy marketing, I was just putting up some bandit signs about. Uh, rental opportunities. And this was like 20, 2010-ish um, that I did this. So social media wasn't super prevalent at that time, but I was still able to get occupancy up and that increased uh, the value of the property. So I just I did that property to where I bought it at a good discount and I sold it to somebody at a good discount to where I was able to make uh, a good amount of money. That's nice. How did you find it? It was found through uh, LoopNet, believe it or not. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I found it through LoopNet of all the places out there. You know, it was it was one that like literally just popped up and I was able to uh, talk to the owner pretty quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, yeah. a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that you that you talk about is finding motivated sellers in in, in off market listings. So, what are some of the ways that you've been successful in doing that? You know, now that, you know, 21st uh, second technology has really kind of taken a hold and really has come up quite a bit. I've been using LinkedIn, uh, believe it or not, to find. The- I don't believe it. <laughs> I've been uh, link- LinkedIn's been huge um, and it's grown exponentially since I first started in 2009 using it. I believe there are over 500 million users now. And when I started, it was like right around 100. So they've grown quite a bit. And when I was getting started with it, I started researching like how to find asset managers, how to find people at, at hedge funds, private equity firms, and just you know find potentially private sellers. 
And it was just such a great tool because at that time there was only like a couple different places that you can use uh, to find these types of people. And the only thing that you would get is like maybe like an 800 number and you wouldn't, you would just get passed around. It would be extremely hard getting past the gatekeeper. And when I figured out, you know, how to use LinkedIn beyond, you know, posting up like a resume or something, it, it turned out to be a gold mine. All right, you have to say more about that. So how are you using LinkedIn to find deals? I, I'm completely like, what does it even look like? Sure. So when you get on there and, and the platform's changed quite a bit since 2009, but the, the platform is really cool. Like, for example, if I wanted to find an asset manager at a bank, I would type in asset manager and I would look for uh, people. So I would look for people with asset manager in their title and I would start going after those types of people that uh, had asset manager in their title. Now, believe it or not, you type in asset manager on LinkedIn, there's going to be close to about 1.3 million people that have that in their title. So there's a lot of them on there. So the best thing to do is start, you know, narrowing it down. So I started doing it from uh, state by state by state by state. So I started looking for specific asset managers and I wanted to see uh, if they were working at a bank or not, because they typically have distressed assets that they want to liquidate, they want to sell. And that's how I was able to get through to them. So what I was doing is I was finding these asset managers and I would go on to their profiles. I would take a look at their profile. And as soon as you would connect with them, you would get access to their private phone number, their email address, Skype they even had. And they, they would have websites. They would have addresses to where they worked. So you would just have like the, the full gambit of how you could get a hold of these people. It was like there was no longer a gatekeeper barrier. You could just literally pick up the phone and call them uh, compared to being shuffled around by a gatekeeper. Well, you got to connect with them first though, before you can do all that, right? You do. So, so, so how do you connect? How do you connect with a perfect stranger? Sure. So the best thing that I highly, highly recommend to people just so it doesn't come across as being spam is going onto their profile, taking a look at which groups they're in, because that's first of all, going to let you know if they're active or not. If they're not involved in any groups, that's more than likely a pretty significant sign that they're, they're not really active with their profile on LinkedIn. The thing with that is I would like looking at the groups is I want to see what groups they're in. If they're involved in real estate investing groups or real estate groups, period, I want to find out what groups they're in and I want to connect with them to make sure that we are in at least five groups together. So when I do reach out to that person, I could say, hey, hey, Linda, my name is Jason Lucchese. I want to connect with you. We're in the same groups together on LinkedIn. Uh, I found you through you know, the real estate investing community, and I wanted to reach out and connect. You know, something really, really simple, something basic. You know, I always recommend this too. Don't just send off the, the predetermined message that LinkedIn sends out where it says, hey, I'd like to add you to my professional network. I would definitely customize that. So if, if I was trying to get into contact with you, Michael, instead of having that general populated message go out, I'd be like, hi, Michael, my name is Jason Lucchese. I saw that we were in the, the multifamily commercial real estate investing group. Wanted to reach out to you because I'm coming across deeply discounted off-market commercial properties. 
let's connect. You know, that would be a much more appealing way. And that would also show you that I'm reaching out, I'm doing a personalized message instead of just having LinkedIn just send off that auto-populated message. All right. So great. Now, so now they connect with you because you're, you know, whatever, non-threatening, nice guy, relevant, whatever. And now what do you do? Well, a few things that I, I do recommend right off the bat, I would send a LinkedIn message and an email. So you're going to get access to, to those two things right off the bat. If they don't have the email. That's fine. But you could still send them a message through LinkedIn's platform. And once you do that, once you send a message through LinkedIn's platform, you have almost a guaranteed 100% deliverability rate, mainly because when somebody opens up their LinkedIn account, they have to verify that they are opening that account. So when LinkedIn sends messages to them, it goes right into their inbox. Same thing applies with sending a LinkedIn message. You send that off to them, you know, and that message typically is going to state anything like, uh, hi, Michael, thanks for accepting my request for us to connect. I'm reaching out to you because, you know, I'm coming across deeply discounted multifamily commercial transactions. And I was interested if we could set up a time to talk and see if there's anything that we can do to, you know, help you out with the criteria that you have for, for buying or acquisition, whatever you want to say. And then you just, you just start, you know, ringing up a, a dialogue with the person and start treating them that way. I always recommend sending off the LinkedIn and email message first because you don't want to just call the person right off the bat and come off as like a stalker. So I would wait like a couple business days after you sent your email if they haven't responded because they might be busy. And if they haven't responded in a couple business days, I would follow up. If you do have the phone number, I would just call. And then now you have a, a warm shoe in at that point. You could be like, hey, Michael, my name's uh, Jason Lucchese. I'm reaching out to you. I sent you a message the other day. We just recently connected on LinkedIn, and I wanted to reach out to you, and then that's how you lead into your conversation. But now it goes from completely cold to now you at least sent the emails out. You connected with them. So as they're on their computer, they could double-check that so that you're not completely BSing them. Right. Gotcha. So, so now you've got a connection with the asset manager. Now, what are you saying to these guys? Because you're looking for off-market deals that they want to sell, right? So what are some of the things that you say to the asset manager that might get them interested in wanting to talking to you as being a potential buyer? Sure. So I let them know that I have a real estate investment company here in Indianapolis, and I'm a nationwide investor looking to deploy acquisition capital into the markets that I, I do let them know that I'm uh, investing in. And I ask them if they have any assets that they're looking to liquidate. So you do have to speak a little bit of the language. Yeah, I'm so, noticing that. It's a ver- very carefully scripted uh, script, guys. This, this is what you need. This is very good. Yeah. Yeah. So so de- uh, deploy and acquisition capital and, and liquidate, you know, are a lot of the, the phrases that they the banks, you know, really want to, to hear you say. It's not so much when dealing with the hedge funds. It's more or less like working with the with the bankers. Yeah, that's awesome. So, how could this conversation go? You uh, so you talking about this, and then they say, "Well, actually, we do have we do have some things. We have this on the book. So, do you do you say what kind of deals you're looking for? And then, so what can happen then? Uh, give me like an example of of how you can actually get a deal from from an asset manager or bank in this way. You do let them know your criteria. Uh, you let them know the criteria after they've responded to the message. 
uh, to where I ask them if they have any assets that they're looking to liquidate. Uh, once they respond back with either a yes or a no, you let them know your criteria. And then typically what they do is they'll have you either sign an NDA and then they'll release uh, an Excel spreadsheet to you with the properties that fit your criteria. Now, mm. they're not going to you know, do like, hey, I'm only looking for these zip codes. They'll typically do it by state. They'll give you the states that you're looking for. And then from there, it's, it's a pretty easy search to look for the, the cities that you're looking to invest in. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So you, you obviously, it sounds like you've had some success with the strategy, finding deals for you and your, and your students. Absolutely. We actually just recently had a student let us know that the, the LinkedIn st uh, strategy worked really well. Uh, he was able to close three transactions, make a little over 30K. And then I have another guy uh, that I just reached out to um, out of the blue. He was doing very, very well. And then we lost touch for a little bit. And then I reached out to him and he told me that he's taken down a, a 57 unit property using the LinkedIn strategies by finding asset managers. And I was like, holy crap, dude, we need to get you on a on a call here so we could uh, kind of walk through step by step what you've been doing because he's been busy. Um, I knew he would be successful at it because he had the drive and you know he wanted to spend more time with his, his two kids. And I was like, wow, man, you're, you're really taking off with this. Congratulations. Well, you know, in this kind of environment where it's, it's a little tougher to find deals right now, and I think people, we've grown, we've grown a, little, a little lazy, right? Because we're expecting deals to fall in our lap and deals are surprisingly getting done, but the people that are doing the deals are hustling, right? They're being a little more creative. They're not, they're not going on LoopNet or the MLS and finding deals. That, what are they doing? They're sending out direct mail. They're doing stuff like this. Like the LinkedIn stuff is, is, is brilliant. And, you know, once you, I'm, I sense is if you find one asset manager, gosh, they'll probably keep you busy for years, right? If someone has assets nationwide that they want to liquidate and, and probably for, you know, pennies on a dollar, I mean, wouldn't that be a great source for uh, off-market multifamily deals? I'll tell you what, I get that question asked to me all the time. How many asset managers do you think I need to have? And you don't need a lot. I'll tell you that. Right. I, I typically say anywhere between one to three because- <laughs> Once you have like one to three, they're they're constantly sending you Excel files with you know lots of properties on there, and and it's probably only going out to you and maybe two other investors because the other thing too is when I've started teaching this to folks, one individual reached out to me and she was like, my husband and I have been real estate investors. We've been wanting to find properties for a long time. We've been doing the bandit sign thing and doing the networking thing and driving for dollars. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. If it's working for you, great. But she reached out to a small bank in Alabama and she was like, the person on the phone said, hey, I've never had anybody reach out to me and ask for assets from us before. And next thing you know, she receives a package to review of like 40 plus properties. Now she didn't want them all, but there was like three on there that she wanted. And um, she ended up extending offers and I think she ended up closing on two out of the three. But now that that person at the bank, there's no other investors reaching out to them. Right. They get all of the, the properties from this person once a month. And that's typically how it works. You'll get stuff sent to you once a month. And some people want more than one, they'll probably want three. Uh, so they get multiple packages from multiple people uh, several times a month. And, and it can work out extremely well. 
Now, what kind of what kind of deals are you getting from asset managers? I mean, are these like pennies on a dollar? Are they fair market value? I mean, what do you see in there? A lot of the ones that they're wanting to get off their balance sheet are distressed assets. So it could already mm-hmm. be something that's been uh, received notice of fault or lives pendants, you know, something that's been filed through the court system showing that they're in default on their payments closure. Mm-hmm. So we're receiving a lot of the distress from these banks. We're also receiving some of the assets that they may want to get rid of before the adjustable rate mortgage uh, goes into effect. And how much information is available on these properties? So let's say you get an asset manager and normally you're looking for the financials or something. Is there information available Is it, or is there really not any information available? No, it's actually quite amazing what they have uh, to give to you. Typically mm-hmm. on both residential and commercial, uh, they'll, they'll have appraisals and BPOs. They'll have title work already done. And they'll already be able to give to you uh, if that person has a mortgage on the property. They could also uh, give you all of the the unpaid principal balance. You know what uh, the current market value of the property is, what the monthly payment is. They'll let you know all of that information. And then if you wanted to reach out to the owner of record to get any type of financials to put together like a a net operating income, you could absolutely do that too. But typically, these are not listed, right? So not, you, not listed. Which means that a lot of the work that brokers do, putting all these packages and financials together, you would have to extract that from the current owner, which I can imagine probably may be kind of difficult. But the nice thing about this is that, like you said, they're not, they wouldn't be with the asset manager if they were not distressed, right? And we're all looking for distressed assets because that's how we can add value. So the cool that's thing, pretty know, powerful. These, these properties, yeah, can be picked up for you know, 20, 30% of fair market value. Mm. You know, you can yeah. get really great deals, um, discounts on these properties. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. So what other stuff is, is working for you? And that's a pretty good one right there. I mean, I think we can stop the episode right now, but I thought I'd ask. <laughs> you know, we're we're still finding some stuff that's on market that that is working. You know, some of the MLS stuff, but we, we do it in a, a way to where when everybody is zagging, we zig. And, you know, we're, we're still coming across properties that, you know, are just being overlooked. Maybe there's some issue with some of the units. Maybe there's some mold. Maybe there's termite damage. You know, we, we look at pretty much every uh, property that meets our criteria. We'll, we'll take a look at it. We'll, we'll do our due diligence. And if it makes sense, we'll definitely, you know, check it out. All right. Well, how can people find out a little bit more about this LinkedIn strategy? Do you have any kind of any, any information about this if someone wants to follow up on that? I do. Um, if they want to check it out, they can go to it's it's a catchy little URL here, but it, it's it's meant to help you remember. And it's called uh, getmyflippingtraining.com. Getmyflippingtraining.com. I'll put it in the show notes, guys. So don't worry about it. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, very good. Now, uh, what's a key thing that you that you've seen work best for you? You know, a key thing that has has really worked. You know, in in all honesty, is just making calls to people uh, and and finding out as much as you can about some of these assets. You know, a lot of people they'll just slap together maybe an uh, an LOI, a letter of intent, and put together a purchase agreement, whatever, and then just throw it to the person without ever really truly finding out as much as you can about the property. And I'll tell you, myself and, and the team, we're seeing much more success and we're seeing much more 
of contracts being accepted at prices that we really need them to be at for us to make sense. Just by simply calling and talking to the agents or talking to the homeowner or the owner of record of the particular asset and just finding out from them as much as possible because most people aren't doing that. They're not spending the time to do that and we're doing that. We're spending the time to do that. Interesting. That's awesome. Now, uh, before I let you go, I know you just published a book. Tell us about the book because I know you're very excited about it. I did. It's, uh, it's right here, actually. It's called Right Flipping Now. Just published it. And um, it's, it gives a little bit of my story of how I uh, came up you know, from high school all the way on up to right now. And you know, it gives a, it gives a little bit of, Hey, you know, if you're just getting started in this business, it gives you that, that inspiration, that drive to really know that, you know, as long as you put in the hard work and the effort, you will see the results that you want. You know, I, I do cover some, I do cover the LinkedIn strategy. I cover some of the stuff that we also do on like sites like Facebook and YouTube, uh, to get commercial and residential, uh, properties. And it's just, I put a decent amount of time into it. It took uh, took me about 65, 70 days to complete. Um, and it's 212 pages. And I've got all my uh, tools and resources that I use in here. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So that, that book is called Right Flipping Now. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And if, they, and if people want to get it, I just called that one getmyflippingbook.com. <laughs> so very, very easy. Uh, very getmyflippingbook.com. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Now, if people want to connect with you, how, how can people find you, Jason? They could connect with me on my blog, which is just jasonlucchese.com. And we've got tons of, tons of content down there that they could just go and uh, use. And if they want to reach out, reach out to us. You know, I'm, I'm very open to, to people reaching out. I still respond to people. So definitely uh, reach out to us. Uh, we'll be more than happy to, you know, talk with you and see what's going on in your world. Awesome, man. This is great stuff. Thanks for sharing, Jason. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, buddy. So LinkedIn to find off-market multifamily deals. Who knew? But now you listen to it, it does kind of make sense. So this is definitely one of those things that you want to add to your toolbox. If you are interested in finding out more about that, the URL to do that is going to be themichaelblank.com forward slash Jason. That's T-H-E, Michael, Blank, B-L-A-N-K.com forward slash Jason. And that will bring you to the webpage where you can find out more about his course, where you can learn how to use LinkedIn and other strategies like Facebook and YouTube to actually get to asset managers and other entities that own these distressed assets. So it's definitely something that I want to add to my toolbox and teach my students as well, because we all need help in trying to find off-market multifamily deals. And this is a good one. Uh, Jason's been using this for years. Also check out his book, uh, getmyflippingbook.com. And all this will be in the show notes at themichaelblank.com forward slash session 66 will be the show notes. That's all I got for you guys today. Hope you found that useful. Take care, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.